Welcome to The Humanist Report. I'm Mike Fiorito. Today's episode is sponsored by Amazon.com. If you bookmark the Amazon link in the description box, every time you shop on Amazon, you support The Humanist Report. And this episode is also brought to you by our newest donor on Patreon, Jimmy J. Uh, so thanks to you. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing Bill Clinton on the campaign trail for Hillary Clinton, as well as Bernie Sanders' Wall Street reform plan. It's very good. Uh, it's very comprehensive. Uh, and I think you guys are going to really like it. I'll also be talking about Donald Trump and his first campaign ad. I'm going to go ahead and break it down, even though it's just 30 seconds. There's so much wrong with it that I could not help but uh, talk about it. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. The Hillary Clinton campaign's chief financial officer, Gary Gensler, critiqued Bernie Sanders' Wall Street reform plan on January 4th. But unfortunately for the Clinton campaign, Bernie Sanders didn't actually reveal his plan until January 5th. So that was a fail, but nonetheless, here's what he had to say. Unfortunately, Senator Sanders has so far taken a hands-off approach to some of the riskiest institutions and activities in our economy, which were among the biggest culprits during the 2008 crisis. In his speech tomorrow, Senator Sanders should go beyond his existing plans for reforming Wall Street and endorse Hillary Clinton's tough comprehensive proposals to rein in risky behavior within the shadow banking sector. Now, I don't even have to refute this because, one, we all know that Hillary Clinton has taken millions of dollars from Wall Street, so I don't expect her to actually do anything to rein in Wall Street's criminal activity at all. Uh, second, I don't have to refute this because Bernie Sanders' communications director, Michael Briggs, did it for me. Uh, and let me just say, he destroyed Gary Gensler. He states... Senator Sanders won't be taking advice on how to regulate Wall Street from a former Goldman Sachs partner and a former Treasury Department official who helped Wall Street rig the system. Damn! <laughs> oh my god, I mean, we've seen this multiple times. Hillary Clinton always tries to attack Bernie Sanders on something, and what do they do? They points out the inherent corruption in her campaign as a result, and she just comes out looking terrible. She gets a little bit of blood on her hands by attacking the Sanders campaign, which you, I mean, you arguably have to attack, or at least draw comparisons, right? Uh, but every time she does this, they don't prepare themselves for what's to come, and Bernie Sanders' campaign always, always retorts with an epic statement. And here, once again, uh, we see that <laughs> that's no different. So when she critiqued him on universal health care, what did Bernie Sanders do? Well, they pointed out the fact that she's corrupt <laughs> and that uh, she flipped her position when she began to take money from the health insurance industry. Now, right here, Gary Gensler, who is a former Goldman Sachs <laughs> partner, well, he decided that he would be the best person to critique Bernie Sanders' Wall Street reform plan. Guys, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, you're like putting yourself out there and you're just trying to get destroyed. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. So I'm going to have to unfortunately do this again. Uh, this is becoming routine every week. Bernie Sanders is burning people left and right. So Gary Gensler, Hillary Clinton, sorry guys, but I'm going to have to play you out again. You just got owned, you noob. You just got owned, motherfucker. You just got, you just got, you just got owned. Bernie Sanders revealed his Wall Street reform plan. And let me tell you, it is really, really strong. I am definitely pleased. Uh, so now, of course, the corporate media did not cover this, so I wanted to talk about it because I think it's really important. So now, his entire speech was a total of 56 minutes, so I didn't want to go the route of just playing clips. 
Um, but I did want to share my favorite clip. Here it is. My opponent says that as a senator, she told bankers to quote unquote, cut it out. <laughs> and, end, and end their destructive behavior. But in my view, establishment politi politicians are the ones who need to cut it out. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is basically summarize his entire plan. It's an eight point plan, so let me go through those. So first, he pledges that within the first 100 days of his administration, he will break up too big to fail banking institutions. I love this because not only does he recommit to breaking up the big banks, but he actually gives us a very, very strict timeline, so you know he's not playing around. Second, he states that it is not enough to just tell Wall Street to cut it out and then propose a few new rules and slap on some fines. So he states that he will reinstate the Glass-Steagall Act to once again separate commercial banking from risky investment banking. This is a no-brainer, and it blows my mind that Hillary, a so-called progressive, doesn't support this. But uh, we'll continue on. Three, he's going to stop the too big to jail nonsense. Uh, that is, so when these Wall Street criminals commit crimes, they're actually going to go to jail. So uh, case in point, uh, uh, President Bernie Sanders would not allow the individuals who crashed the economy in 2008 to get away scot-free. He would jail them, and that's what he is going to do uh, from here on out. I don't necessarily think that he could do anything about the 2008 um, crash because it may have passed the statute of limitations. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. Um, but if anybody wants to comment down below, I'll uh, update it in the description box. Uh, now, fourth, he's going to establish a tax on Wall Street in order to fund universal college tuition. Again, uh, he's made the point that uh, since Wall Street crashed the economy and we had to bail out the big banks, it's time that they bail us out, which I love. Five, he's going to cap credit card interest rates at 15% and cap ATM fees at $2. I'm happy that, you know, he's going to cap interest rates and ATM fees. I would prefer that they were lower. I think we can get interest rates down to 10% and the ATM fee down to $1, but I think I'm just being a little bit too nitpicky. But nonetheless, this is still great. Uh, now, six, he'll allow post offices to offer banking services. This is really interesting, and I think it's a very innovative idea. So this is brilliant because it's actually going to give Americans access to affordable banking options, especially in low-income areas. If they don't have a bank that's affordable, if they don't have a credit union, well, they'll have a post office. And this will also simultaneously save the post office. Uh, so this is really great. Now, this will also hopefully stop individuals from being more inclined to go to uh, these payday lenders who basically prey on the poor. Now, seven, he'll also reform credit rating agencies by turning for-profit credit rating agencies into nonprofit institutions that will no longer serve at the behest of Wall Street. I mean, I have nothing to say about this. It's absolutely outstanding. Finally, number eight, he will reform the Federal Reserve to make it more responsive to ordinary citizens and not just billionaires and Wall Street. He explains, quote, it is unacceptable that the Federal Reserve has been hijacked by the very bankers it is in charge of regulating. Now, finally, one last parting note in his press release. He states, will Wall Street like me? No. Will they begin to play by the rules if I'm president? You better believe it. So there you have it. You have the strongest, most detailed Wall Street reform plan out of any of the candidates throughout this election. Uh, so this is absolutely fantastic. It's comprehensive. Is it better than Hillary Clinton's? You better believe it. Uh, 
first and foremost, she doesn't have the Glass-Steagall repeal. She doesn't want to break up the big banks. She stated that she would break them up on, I believe, the Colbert Report. We all know that's not what this is what's going to happen. Someone who states that they think telling Wall Street to cut it out would suffice as regulation, they're not serious about regulating Wall Street. So this right here proves to you that he's in for the kill. He wants to regulate Wall Street and rein them in so that way they stop performing this criminal activity. Uh, so I love this. Kudos to Bernie Sanders. This is really a fantastic, comprehensive plan. Former President Bill Clinton joined Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail in New Hampshire, and he made a 30-minute speech for Hillary Clinton. Here's what he had to say. He states that Hillary understands what it takes to keep our country as safe as possible to stop big bad things from happening and make as many good things happen as possible. Now, we all know that Bill is a very talented and charismatic speaker, but if you're just reading this, it sounds like something Donald Trump would say, but uh, nonetheless, I digress. Here's what he also had to say. He says, quote, Every presidential election, people run, and believe it or not, this is kind of scary this year, but believe it or not, most everybody actually tries to do what they say they're going to do when they're running. They're telling you what they believe, so you gotta take them seriously. Yeah, take politicians seriously. Hmm. Uh, I'll pass, but thanks. So now, of course, Bill Clinton is going to campaign for his wife. This isn't surprising. This is expected. Um, and if Bernie Sanders' wife was a politician, you can bet she would be campaigning for him as well. So, I mean, this isn't something that, you know, is surprising at all. Uh, and the reason why he does this is because uh, he's very popular. However, if you recall specifically what he did during his presidency... I don't think he would be that popular after all, and I don't think that Hillary Clinton would want to trot him out. So I'm going to tell you the specifics. So first and foremost, uh, he signed Republican welfare reform into law. And by welfare reform, I mean he gutted welfare. So basically, massive cuts, billions of dollars to welfare. Uh, and furthermore, he made it more difficult for individuals to be qualified for welfare. So now what I mean by that is that if you're a college student, well, there's going to be a lot more requirements. If you're a mother, there's going to be a lot more requirements in order to be eligible for welfare. Now, this policy was detrimental across the board, especially to the poor, but it disproportionately impacted African-American single mothers. So this policy is terrible, and he signed it into law willingly after it was blatantly Republican reform. Now, furthermore, let's not forget about Social Security. We all know that Bush, uh, in 2004, 2005, he wanted to partially privatize Social Security, but a lot of us forget the fact that Bill Clinton wanted to fully privatize Social Security. So what he did was he set up a commission, and it, it was going on for about 18 months, so that way they can figure out how to implement this new reform to privatize Social Security. Now, if you privatize Social Security, you effectively kill it. You make it so that way people get way less benefits. This is what happened with retirement plans. People are now moving from pensions to 401k plans, and they're not getting enough to retire. Well, the problem is that he wanted to do this with Social Security as well. Now, thankfully, the Monica Lewinsky scandal had actually stopped this reform from going through because if you want to privatize something that's so popular, it's going to be an uphill political battle. And at that point, he just didn't have the political capital to take on such a big battle. So thankfully, that did not go through. Now, moving on, he facilitated the repeal of Glass-Steagall. So this is legislation put in place during the New Deal era that basically prevented banks from gambling with your money. But Bill Clinton said, no, 
I think I want to allow them to gamble with your money. Now, this had serious repercussions. This inevitably led to the 2008 financial crash. So this isn't very good. And we all know that Hillary Clinton does not support reinstalling Glass-Steagall. Now, furthermore, he signed NAFTA into law. And uh, this is a disastrous so-called free trade policy that allowed corporations to ship our jobs overseas. Now, we all know that Hillary Clinton is also pushing for free trade, the TPP. Well, I stand corrected, actually. She uh, she pushed for the TPP as Secretary of State, but now she's against it. But we all know where she stands on that in actuality. Now, also, Bill Clinton initiated the three strikes policy in order to be, quote, tough on crime. And he infamously stated at a State of the Union address that it should be not three strikes, but one strike, because that's how tough he wants to be on crime. Now, what happened? This led to a substantial increase in African-American and Latinos being thrown in jail. Now, in addition to that, uh, he fueled the growth of the private prison industry, which basically incentivized the lockup of Americans. And of course, who had to deal with this the most? African-Americans and Latinos. They were disproportionately targeted. And now we are now basically a prison state. I mean, we lock up more people than many other countries in the world, and it's just absolutely sad. Now, furthermore, he also ushered in a lot of homophobic policies. He was a pioneer when it comes to disenfranchising members of the LGBT community. Now, he signed DOMA into law, which basically made it so that way, uh, even if a state legalized marriage equality, well, the federal government would not recognize it. Now, effectively, that makes same-sex marriages not equal because there's a lot of benefits that come with, um, a lot of federal benefits, that is, that come with marriages. Uh, so we all know this was struck down by the Supreme Court because it is absolutely unconstitutional. And also, he signed Don't Ask, Don't Tell into law, which banned gays and lesbians from serving openly in the military. Now, what did this policy become over the years? It basically became a big gay witch hunt. So thankfully, Barack Obama facilitated the repeal of this horrible policy. Now, finally, when it comes to foreign policy, he was... Not too, I mean, he wasn't terrible, but I mean, he had one of the biggest blunders in history. So there was a Rwandan genocide going on. About 800,000 people were slaughtered within about two months, and Bill Clinton didn't do anything. Now, thankfully, a lot of these policies, such as this one, he states that, well, this in particular was one of his biggest regrets, but he also came out against a lot of his own policies because now we see the disastrous effects of it. Now, the same is true for Hillary Clinton. I mean, she was in favor of the Iraq War. Uh, she was in favor of the TPP, and she's starting to come out against her own policies because they're not good. Uh, now, with the TPP, we know that she's still in favor of it, but she's posturing. But anyways, the Clintons both are guilty of putting forth these types of policies and then coming out against it. Well, I want the candidate who's going to put forth a policy that's going to be correct the first time. I don't want you to go by trial and error. You're playing with our lives here. I want you to get it right on the first time. So now, none of this in general, all of Bill Clinton's policies should not theoretically matter because Hillary Clinton is her own person. But the problem is that it does matter because she actually endorsed a lot of these policies at one point or another. So you can't necessarily just brush off Bill Clinton's policies and say that was Bill, Hillary's her own person, and that's true. But again, she spoke out in favor of many of these policies. So I don't know why Bill Clinton is still popular, uh, but the problem is that whenever you trot out Bill Clinton as this savior to the Democratic Party, he facilitated a lot of neocon policies. I mean, he wanted to deregulate. 
He wanted to be a corporatist Democrat, or he was a corporatist Democrat, just like Obama. So not really someone you want to bring out on your campaign if you are saying that you're a progressive. But I mean, it's her husband, so I'm not surprised by this. But anyways, Bill, not a very good president. The one thing that came out of his president, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's it. End of story. I mean, there may be other tidbits here and there, but I mean, there's so much bad things that happened during his presidency that, you know, uh, that just are unforgivable, in my opinion. Now, you can say that the economy was great. He left us with a surplus. But I mean, if you look into it, he had to cut a lot. I mean, cutting welfare reform and whatnot or gutting welfare. This all came at a price. And that price is something that we had to pay for. Donald Trump released his first television ad, and in it, he doubles down on a ton of nonsensical policies. So I'm going to go ahead and play it and break it down bit by bit, because there's so much ridiculousness in it that I couldn't help but just try to tear it apart as much as I can. Um, so we'll go ahead and uh, we'll play that. I'm Donald Trump. Ah, stop. So right here, we already have something wrong. It's Donald Trump. <laughs> so that was unnecessary. I'll continue. And I approve this message. The politicians can pretend it's something else. Okay, I just want to comment on something kind of irrelevant, but every single political issue has the same two people doing the narration. This politician believes in free trade. I mean, is this the same guy in both Democratic and Republican ads? I want to know. I'm, I'm personally curious, so I just want to know. But anyways, let's actually get to the ad. But Donald Trump calls it radical Islamic terrorism. That's so edgy. I'm glad that he's calling it radical Islamic terrorism, because I mean... What do you do if you don't call it radical Islamic terrorism? So, I mean, what a badass for just acknowledging that, right? I'm being facetious. That's why he's calling for a temporary shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> they literally quoted him. Uh, he's calling for a temporary ban on Muslims entering the United States until we can figure out what's going on. That's, that's like, that sounds like a four-year-old wrote it. I mean, he doesn't even try to, like, make it seem... A little bit more sophisticated. He just straight up, until he could figure out what's going on. I mean, that's so weird. I just find it so strange. But uh, let's continue. He'll quickly cut the head off ISIS and take their oil. <laughs> and he'll stop illegal immigration by building a wall on our southern border that Mexico will pay for. Okay, so right there, uh, it's come out that this is not Mexico. This is footage from Morocco. So... <laughs> Of course you got to do that because net immigration is actually less than zero right now. It's it's in the negatives um, when you look at immigration from Mexico. So you have to come up with something, right? So of course he's going to use this footage. It, it's complete lies. It's propaganda. But he uses it anyways and he doesn't care. He's, he's brazen about it. He's proud of his, you know, propagandist ways because that's what proto-fascists do. So I'm not surprised here, but let's continue. We will make... America great again. Okay, so I uh, rate that zero out of five because I think that even though Trump supporters will love it, they love everything that he can do. He could literally just create a campaign ad where he's farting and they would give him a standing ovation if he played it in a crowd. I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. But he can do anything and his... Uh, his supporters will enjoy it. But for me, as a progressive individual, looking at this, it looks like it was written by a, a child, like maybe a preteen, uh, a, a young teen, maybe 13, 14, especially with the way that he articulates things. I mean, uh, he will build a wall and Mexico will pay for it. 
How? How are you going to get them to pay for it? That doesn't make any sense. You're going to put sanctions on them? Uh, are you going to impose tariffs on them so that way they can't import their goods to our country? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Because that that's not specific enough. And furthermore, I like how his ISIS policy is, I will cut the head off ISIS and steal their oil. But again, that's not specific. Now, again, you can't get into the nuance, you know, in a 30-second advertisement. So let me at least point that out to be fair. But we all know that there's no substance to Donald Trump, even when he's talking about this stuff, because he doesn't have substance. He literally stated that he will learn foreign policy when he's in office. Okay, if you don't know it now, you're out of there. This should disqualify him. But, I mean, the reason why he's still popular among his followers and can't do anything wrong is because his followers are just like him. They don't understand politics. They don't have a comprehensive understanding of foreign policy and domestic policy. They don't know what's going on in the world in actuality. They just know they're mad. They know they don't like Muslims. They know they hate Mexicans. And Donald Trump is basically a venue for them to voice all of their hatred. So they're living vicariously through Donald Trump. And the fact that he is successful is fueling a bunch of internet trolls in real life. So it's like, you know, these internet trolls who go around Trump 2016 on every single video. Well, um, they are basically the internet trolls of reality in, in real life. Um, so terrible advertisement. Donald Trump, I mean, your fans are going to love it. So I don't know what else to say about it. But I mean, I just wanted to break this down because it's Trump. It's ridiculous. You have to. Jeb Bush likely acknowledges the fact that his campaign is failing, even though he doesn't want to admit it. But don't you worry, because he's got a secret weapon he's about to break out that's going to save his campaign. Take a look. A lot of people say, you know, your brother also has a lot of popularity, like Bill Clinton has with Democrats, your brother has it with Republicans. Is that something that you think, if he could tell your story as well as you can, if not better, is that something you're considering? Yeah, I, I, it is something to consider, because he is very popular. <laughs> I need to go earn this. That's why I'm in New Hampshire today. We have a drug summit to talk about the whole epidemic up here. I've outlined a detailed plan to deal with that. I have some experience in it um, personally, and certainly as governor of the state, we created a strategy to reduce drug abuse in our, in our state. That's what this is about. Uh, my brother has been a strong supporter. I love him dearly, and uh, he'll he'll play a, continue to play a constructive role. All right, let's do it. Let's look at his approval ratings. So um, now, when you look at you know his aggregate ratings, you'll see you know a pretty big spike on 9/11, 90%. That's unprecedented. But then you see some really interesting points here. You see that he was at 25% for his lowest point. And when you look at his second term alone, his average approval rating was 37%. And let's not forget the fact that he left office with a 34% approval rating and started one of the most unpopular wars in American history. Or excuse me, he started the most unpopular war in American history. So I don't think he's going to be much of an asset to you, Jeb. I'm really sorry to break that to you. And I don't think deep down you believe that too. Otherwise, your logo wouldn't just be Jeb, exclamation point, uh, and you would actually put your last name. But we all know that last name is toxic and you want to distance yourself from it. Now, to be completely fair, I don't think that Bill Clinton is technically much of an asset to Hillary Clinton, even though she trotted him out. And especially considering the fact that she's trying to tout herself as a progressive but the difference is that the public doesn't necessarily understand how Bill Clinton screwed everyone over. At least that's the case for Democrats. They kind of have this rose-colored view of Bill Clinton. I mean, when he was in office, the economy was doing great, which presidents don't really have very much control over the economy. But I mean, nonetheless, the economy was doing great when he was in office. So a lot of people look at uh, his years in office as the golden years. But 
Bush did a lot of things that were really easy to grasp, which is what made him more unpopular. So, for example, with Bill Clinton, I mean, he did deregulation, he repealed Glass-Steagall, he signed these free trade deals. People don't understand what those policies entail. But something like starting a war with Iraq and staying there and uh, starting a war with Afghanistan and whatnot, I mean, these are things that are highly unpopular and they're they're viewable. I mean, the media covers them uh, and people understand them for the most part. We understand the consequences of war, but we don't necessarily understand all of the intricate details associated with free trade policies or deregulating Wall Street. So that's why I think it's probably appropriate for Hillary Clinton to break out Bill more so than it is for Jeb to break out Bush. But nonetheless, I mean, he probably still has a lot of support among the right wing. Um, maybe. I mean, they're very anti-establishment now. Um, so I don't know if it's going to help him too much, but he'll at least get support of evangelicals and uh, warmongers. Uh, so who knows? Let's see. Go ahead, Jeb, because I mean, anything may potentially help you at this point because you're doing so bad. You're almost out of that race, uh, but you're hanging in there. So I mean, kudos to you for that. But let's be real. You're not going to win. A right-wing anti-government terrorist organization has taken over a federal government building in Malheur County, Oregon. Now, they vowed to stay there until the government, quote, restores the Constitution, and some of them have threatened to get violent if need be. Now, unfortunately for them, they didn't necessarily plan to be there too long because they're now requesting for their supporters to send them snacks through USPS, which is part of the federal government. I'm not here to die. I'm here to defend my freedoms and my liberties. And will I? Yes. If you don't like America, then you can get it. Now, I don't even have to tell you that if these were Muslims, if this was Black Lives Matter, the National Guard would have been sent in immediately. But because these are white right-wing terrorists, all of a sudden they're just not a threat, even though they're still technically terrorists. Now, let me tell you basically how the media's handled this. They are referring to these men as a militia group who are doing a, quote, peaceful protest. Yes, a peaceful protest. So individuals who locked themselves in a federal government building with guns and threatened to get violent, totally peaceful, right? But yet, when Black Lives Matter shuts down freeways or something, well, look at these terrorists. Come on. So you call them thugs, but these aren't thugs? So the double standard there in the media is just ridiculous. Uh, so basically, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because these guys, even though they're supposedly anti-government, well, they're actually pretty big hypocrites. Now, I'm going to fill you in on what's happened first. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version because you don't need to hear the whole story. It's just so long. It's so convoluted. So there's this family, a father and son in particular, who are scheduled to go to jail for five years for committing arson on public land. So basically, uh, the militia here is supporting them by taking over the uh, federal building in Oregon. And so basically, the Hammond family has disavowed these individuals as well as the Mormon church who these guys are a part of. Now, what I didn't tell you is that the idiots leading this uh, cause are none other than Cliven Bundy's sons. Now, to remind you who Cliven Bundy is, he's the racist moron who had a militia protect him when he was going to be arrested for allowing his cows to graze on public property. And he acquired millions of dollars worth of fees and he refused to pay them. Uh, and he still hasn't paid them. Uh, so... That's who's leading this cause, so you know exactly what to expect and whatnot. So, the problem, though, is that they're not so anti-government. So, U.S. Uncut explains, The Small Business Administration offers a loan guarantee program for businesses that don't qualify for assistance in the private credit market. As Mother Jones reported, 
Ammon Bundy, the ringleader of the Malheur takeover, bemoaning federal overreach, got a $530,000 loan from the SBA in 2010 for his truck maintenance business in Arizona, costing taxpayers over $22,000. What the loan was used for, or whether or not Bundy repaid it, is not listed in public records. Now, second of all, they're also hypocrites because the federal government charges 93% less to allow their cattle to graze on public land than private landowners. Uh, and this price is so affordable because the U.S. government subsidizes that price with taxpayer dollars. Now, furthermore, the Bundy family gets discounts for leasing their business on public land, which costs taxpayers 52 to $200 million per year. Now, western states like Nevada and Oregon, where ranchers like the Bundys reside, only produce roughly one-fifth of the nation's beef supply, but require a considerable amount of taxpayer subsidies to stay afloat. The Atlantic estimates that the 11 western states populated by ranchers eat up approximately $26 million per year. So I've got one more for you. Now, the government's Animal Damage Control Program protects their cattle from predators, uh, and this costs 55 0.9 million. This is what it costed in uh, 1994. Now they benefit once again from the federal government. So without the federal government and all of these taxpayer subsidies, they wouldn't have their businesses. So does that sound anti-government to you? Doesn't sound anti-government to me. So it looks as though they're symbolically anti-government, but operationally pro-government. So they can posture and do what they want. But the fact remains that these guys are not only morons, they're hypocrites. The documentary he named me Malala uh, about Malala Yousafzai, of course, was recently released and I watched it and I wanted to give you guys a review of it because I think this is something that my viewers would potentially be interested in. So we all know that Malala Yousafzai is an individual who has captivated the world. I mean, she was shot in the head by the Taliban for defending education for girls uh, and she survived it and now she's dedicated her life to fighting for education and basically what this documentary does is tell her story. Uh, overall, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I would recommend checking it out. I don't necessarily know that it's one that you should purchase, but it's definitely worth watching one time. So basically, um, they get into more specific details. She tells the story of how um, she was shot by the Taliban, but it's not necessarily just about that. You kind of get to know Malala on a personal level, and you realize that, you know, even though she's so inspirational, she's just a kid still. I mean, they talk about how she fights with her brother and whatnot, uh, and her brother was talking about how, you know, she hits him and she's naughty sometimes. And I thought that that was really nice because it put a more human um, feel to Malala because we all kind of look at her as uh, as like this we put her on a pedestal because she's basically she seems more mature for her age because of what she represents and what she's fighting for but really this is just a kid uh, so I like that it kind of reminds you of that fact that Malala is just a kid I mean she's the same age as one of my nieces uh, so I like that we really got to know her more personally, and I liked hearing her tell her story. Now, there were parts that I wasn't a big fan of. So, for example, they had a lot of cartoon bits where um, they told the story and then they showed a cartoon. Um, but I think that this was too flowery. They put, like, the emotional music, and I would have liked just hearing it from Malala. Like, for example, it opens with a cartoon of saying, you know, uh, what the name Malala means and why her father named her it. But I think that if we just saw her father or her talking about it, it would have been more powerful. Um, so I wasn't too big of a fan of the cartoons. I think it kind of uh, 
took away from the movie in a bit, but I mean, it certainly wasn't detrimental to the overall movie. Now, they put so many really intricate details. There was new footage of when she was in the hospital. Um, it showed people, you know, lighting a candle for her and protesting for her and whatnot. Uh, and really hearing her tell her story was just gut-wrenching. I mean, you hear the story. You heard it on uh, The Daily Show. That's where a lot of us were introduced to her. Um, but I mean, she really goes into depth here. And it's amazing that throughout this documentary, what you really get the sense of is that her attitude is just amazing. I mean, she has no ill will towards anyone. Um, you kind of feel sad in a way because both her and her family really want to go back to Pakistan, but obviously they can't because the Taliban threatened to uh, shoot her again. Uh, so it's kind of sad because, you know, they their whole family talks about how, you know, they have a difficult time assimilating into British culture and Western culture. Uh, and um, she also talks about how it's really difficult um, to do schoolwork in the UK because the standards in the UK are a lot higher than, you know, in Pakistan. Uh, so I thought this was just so interesting. You really got to know them well. And I, I like that they focused a substantial amount of do the documentary on her father because you'll really see that her father fueled her desire to fight for education. So I thought that was fantastic. Uh, so overall, definitely check it out. Don't buy it, just rent it. Um, I'll put a link in the description box to Amazon. You could rent it on Amazon for $5.99 or purchase the digital copy. I'd recommend just renting it. Um, but I mean, if you want to buy it, you know, it supports Malala. It's a great cause, but uh, I really love this. And I like uh, actually getting to know Malala and her family a little bit more personally. Um, fantastic documentary overall. Well, that's the episode. I want to thank all of my subscribers for tuning in every week, and I also want to welcome all of the newest subscribers to the channel. We've gotten, I believe, 300 subscribers since January 1st. So this year, we're doing really great so far. We're hitting the ground running, and I'm really excited about this. So thank you all for joining the channel. Um, feel free to binge watch me. A lot of you have actually sent me messages on Twitter and uh, Facebook and as well as YouTube stating that you are binge watching The Humanist Report. So the fact that The Humanist Report is even binge watchable. I think I just created a word, guys. But the fact that it's binge-watchable, uh, it, it it delights me. So um, stick around, enjoy the show. Uh, feel free to comment down below on what types of stories you want to hear. I'll see you next week. Traditionally, I don't really take much stock into celebrity news, but seeing that the 2016 Democratic primaries are coming up and I'm a huge Bernie Sanders supporter, I thought that it would be pretty fun to uh, list the most well-known celebrities that support Bernie Sanders. Now, their support for him is important because I think that they actually have a lot of sway, and some of their followers and fans may not actually even hear about Bernie Sanders unless it comes from them, so they could potentially expand the reach of Bernie Sanders' message. Uh, now, with that being said, here they are. Mark Ruffalo called him a blessing to the presidential race. Daniel Craig is a supporter. Danny DeVito is also a supporter. Diplo, the uh, EDM artist, uh, says, If I had any energy to engage the American political system, I would vote for you because you're on point. He said this to Bernie Sanders. Well, guess what, Diplo? You should have that energy because you have a huge platform. Go vote. Go register. Tell your friends to vote. There is Steve Wozniak who says down with Republicans and Democrats. He wants Bernie Sanders. John Cusack endorses Bernie Sanders. Patton Oswalt. He says hi, Senator Sanders. And he had some other tweets too in support of him. Neil Young. I don't know who this is, but apparently he's a folk uh, icon. Killer Mike, who's a rapper, says that he is officially endorsing Bernie, San Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, because he called for the restoration to the Voting Rights Act. Susan Sarandon uh, says that she wants a leader who's courageous and level-headed in times of crisis, and that's Bernie Sanders. 
Lil B says that he also endorses Bernie Sanders. Now, he switched support from Hillary Clinton to Bernie Sanders because uh, Bernie Sanders marched against segregation in the 1960s. Sarah Silverman also supports Bernie Sanders because he's genuine and says what he means. Mia Farrow, uh, who's an actress, says, however you may vote, Bernie Sanders is pretty great. Uh, he doesn't pander, is consistent and clear on important issues. Louis Black is also a supporter of Bernie Sanders. Julian Casablancas, I don't know if this is Julian or Julian. Uh, so if that's the case, forgive me because I don't know who this is. But he says, Bernie Sanders uh, is the only candidate not bribed and the only one fighting for the good. Uh, Will Wheaton says, Bernie Sanders is having a rally at the sports arena on Monday, Los Angeles. Let's feel the burn. Cornell West has tweeted out multiple uh, tweets in support of Bernie Sanders and also introduced him uh, at a uh, university. Ben and Jerry's, which is my favorite because they have Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which is absolutely delicious and a detriment to my health. But nonetheless, they're awesome. They want to get money out of politics. And of course, they logically support Bernie Sanders. Cole C. Sprouse. Uh, I only know who this is because I have a nephew who watches Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, uh, but he is supporting Bernie Sanders. Justin Long also supports Bernie Sanders and tweeted out the same table that I tweeted out where it compares the top 10 donors of both Hillary and Bernie Sanders. Uh, she has all the corporations and banks. Bernie Sanders has unions. He's for the people. Tyler Oakley uh, posted something on Instagram in support of Bernie Sanders and arguments why you should support him. Uh, this is a YouTuber. I don't, I don't really follow him, uh, but he does have a huge reach. So I want him to get people in the YouTube community who watch YouTube videos to vote. Uh, and Tom Morello posted a Bernie Sanders meme. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, says that Bernie Sanders is the only remotely reasonable candidate for the president of the United States. Uh, David Crosby says that he supports Bernie Sanders. Roseanne Barr says that Bernie Sanders is a great candidate because he will address the system that creates debt prisons, slavery, and uh, banksterism. John Fugelsang has been very vocal about his support for Bernie Sanders. And uh, finally, Francis Fisher shared a link to Bernie Sanders on her Facebook page and uh, encouraged her followers to share it as well. This is awesome. Full disclosure, I don't know who the hell some of these people are, uh, but although uh, I have heard of them, which is why, uh, since I recognize their names, I thought it was important to include them. Now, there is even more celebrity supporters of Bernie Sanders, but I only wanted to cite the ones that I thought would be uh, most well-known. Uh, now, that's kind of arbitrary because I may not necessarily know these people when a lot of people do. So if that's the case, then I apologize for that. So now, I will keep my fingers crossed that these 28 celebrities will get his message out there that uh, they are going to share and ask their followers and fans to share as well. Because we need everyone on board. This is a grassroots campaign. Bernie Sanders, although he's leading in Iowa and New Hampshire, is the underdog. He's the anti-establishment candidate. So it's an uphill battle regardless if he has these two states. Uh, so what's important is that we all participate. And uh, I think that if these celebrities kind of tweeted out more and uh, try to share his stories. I think that could only benefit his campaign and I'm really happy about it. <laughs>